It is so good to be back with you today. This is David Carnes, and this is the podcast that we call Time in God's Word. And right now we are in John's Gospel. We're in chapter one. And what we are doing is we are simply looking at the testimonies that were given concerning our Lord. And you remember that I have shared with you, and I shared with you last time, that in chapter one, there are actually three accounts of testimonies given about Jesus. Now, the first testimony is given by John the Apostle himself from verse 1 to the end of verse 18. And then from verse 19 to the end of verse 37, we have the testimony of John the Baptist concerning Jesus. And then beginning in verse 38 and then going to the end of the chapter, we have the testimonies of the first disciples of Jesus that are given. And what we're doing is we're just walking our way through this. But right now, we are in the midst of the testimony of John the Baptist concerning Jesus. And let me say, just to set the scene, but when we look at this text that focuses on what John the Baptist had to say, what is very interesting is we are looking at the time that John was in the desert. And this is at the pinnacle, you could say, of his ministry. Actually, a three-day period. Three days in which John speaks to three different groups and really gives three different messages. And again, you remember that the last time we were together, we saw that John, first of all, he spoke to a group of Jewish religious leaders sent by the Sanhedrin. And as he spoke to them, John testified that Jesus is here in their very midst. And as we looked at that, we made the point that we are to share that Jesus has come. But that's part of John's testimony concerning Jesus. Jesus is here. That's what he said. But now, as we continue in this study today, and we begin in verse 29, let me say that at this point, the text tells us that this is day two in this three-day pinnacle of John's ministry. And, and what we're going to find now is John, on day two, speaks to the crowd. He's speaking to the crowd, the crowd that had gathered out in the desert with John as he baptized them. And as John is out there and the crowd is out there, on day two, the second testimony then about Jesus that John now shares is, this is who Jesus is. That's what we're going to call this. This is who Jesus is. And John tells the crowd exactly that. This is who Jesus is. And that's point two. Now, let me say that this point again, it begins in verse 29 of John chapter one. And the point really goes to the end of verse 34. But I want you to hear me on this. And that is, there is so much in verse 29 alone That verse 29, that's all we're going to have time to look at today. And let me say, this is a gold mine. (laughs) This is a gold mine of biblical, theological, doctrinal truth right here. And so, our time spent together today, again, in one verse. And it's verse 29, John chapter 1. So, the scene, it's been set. And let me now get us into this wonderful text as we spend time in God's Word. Point number two, this is who Jesus is. That's point two. 
This is who Jesus is. And this is what we look at now. And we see it verses 29 through 34. Again, we are in John chapter 1. We pick it up. Verse number 29. And this is what the text says. Let me begin to read. The text says, verse 29, the next day. Now that's day two. The next day comes. That's day two. Also, let me say that at this point as John speaks, we need to understand who's he speaking to. He is speaking to the crowd now that is out in that desert with him, the masses. He is no longer addressing that group that had been sent by the Sanhedrin. I, in my mind, I am thinking that after they heard what he said on day one, that group probably turned around, the priests and the Levites, and just headed back to Jerusalem. They may be there, but I'm thinking they probably just turned around and went back. But now his audience, it is the masses, it is the thousands that are there. And as he speaks, notice what he says. Again, verse number 29. You look at your Bibles. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what he said. (laughs) That's a picture, isn't it? What a picture. But we walk through this text. You notice the text says that Jesus, now what? Jesus was coming toward him. Jesus, after, by the way, being out in the wilderness for those 40 days after his baptism, 40 days of being tempted by the devil, but Jesus now is back and he is making his way toward John. Here he comes. That's what we see. Here he comes. But I see this picture, and that is as John is looking out, he's looking out into the distance, he sees Jesus, and it is at that moment that John, he cries out to the crowd again. What? What does he cry out? He says, behold. In other words, that word means look close. That's what the word means. It means to look close. And John's pointing Jesus out to the crowd. And as he does, look at how John introduces Jesus. It's a most wonderful introduction. But he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what he says. Now, again, what a statement that is. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And with that statement before us, let me do this. Let me just break it down. Bring out what John is is saying here. But first of all, when John, when he points Jesus out, John says that Jesus, notice he says, the Lamb of God. That's how he references Jesus. The Lamb of God. That's interesting, isn't it? But John would refer to Jesus as a lamb. That he would refer to him that way. John sees Jesus coming and he says, here he is, here is the lamb. Again, a most interesting way to refer to our Lord. And let me say that for the people of Israel who were there and heard this, here's what they would first think. But they would say to themselves, why in the world is John referring to this man, this man who he has been telling us about, this one that John says is Messiah, why would he proclaim Jesus as a lamb? The reason I bring this up is because there's really nothing impressive about a lamb. A lamb is small. Lambs are weak. Lambs are smelly. Did you even know lambs are stupid? And they had to be thinking, why would John refer to this man in this way? Why would he do that? Because here's what we need to understand, and hear me on this, but it, it, it came to the coming of Messiah. When it came to the coming of Messiah, the, the people of Israel, they were always thinking of someone who would be strong. 
They were thinking of someone who would be a king. They were thinking of someone who would be some kind of a leader. Even a military man is who they were thinking of when they would think of Messiah. Someone that would take them out from under the control of the Romans. That kind of man. But not a man that someone would refer to as a lamb that would never cross their mind. But with that said, let me present the answer to all of this in this way. Again, why would John refer to Jesus as Messiah, as a lamb? Why would he do that? But it all comes down to this. It all comes down to all the lambs that had been sacrificed all throughout the years. All the lambs, all the animals going back again to, all the way back to Abraham and Isaac. Going back to the Passover in Egypt. And all of the lambs sacrificed at the tabernacle and all of the lambs sacrificed then at the temple. All the lambs year after year after year. All of the sacrificial lambs. It it goes back to that. But then with that said, we again ask, so what was the purpose of the sacrificial lambs then? You bring that up. What What's the purpose? What was the purpose of the sacrificial lambs? The the sacrificial system, what was the purpose of it? All the sacrifices, again, over the years that the people of Israel would partake in. And the answer is really twofold. And let me just speak on this for just a moment and present it in this way, but you listen. But first of all, God instituted the sacrificial system. He put it in place. He did. And God instituted the sacrifice. And You ask again, why would he do that? Number one is this. In order that the sacrifices were a constant reminder that sin results in death. That was number one. Why the sacrificial system? That when, understand this, sin came into the world, then death followed. Death came as a result. And not just physical death, but also spiritual death. And when we talk about spiritual death, what we're talking about is a separation from God. And so with every sacrifice of a lamb or any other animal that God so deemed, the people were constantly reminded then that the wages of sin is death. Death was constantly before the people. And so God instituted the sacrificial system for that reason there. Number one. But then a second reason for the uh, sacrificial system, and that is, but with every sacrifice made, with every death of a lamb lifted up, every sacrifice would point the people of Israel to the one that, who one day would come and be the true sacrifice, the true lamb of God. This one would be who? This one would be Jesus. Jesus. And so, again, hear me on this, but when John on that day saw Jesus coming, this is why he would cry out, Behold, the Lamb of God. There he is. This is the one that all of those animal sacrifices were pointing to. Here he is, the true Lamb of God. And this is why John would refer then to Jesus in that specific way, that very interesting way. That's why he would do that. But then with all that said, there's something else in the text that we need to see. Just continue with me. Let's continue to look at verse number 29. Notice that after John announces Jesus, notice that he goes on to say this. He goes on to say, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see that in your Bible. 
And understand that right here, John announces that Jesus, he's the Savior. This is how he announces this. That Jesus is the Savior. The one that brings eternal life. The one that takes away the sin of the world. That's what he says right there. And remember that John, as he speaks about Jesus, he wants the people to remember and know and hear that Jesus came as the sacrifice. And that's what Jesus came for. He came as the sacrifice that would die for the sins of man. Remember again that sin requires death. And remember that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so understand that you, understand that I, what is it that we deserve? We deserve death, don't we? We do. All of us do. And without a Savior, there's no hope. There's no getting out of it. We're all condemned. We have no hope without a Savior. And yet here comes Jesus. And aren't you glad Jesus was here? Here comes the one that will be the sacrifice for our sins, the one that will die for our sins, die on the cross in our place, be our substitute, and take our punishment for our sins. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. What a wonderful truth that is. But now with that said, let me say now with this, and again, just so much in this this little verse, but two other items that I want us to see going back to that phrase, and again, we find ourselves in verse 29. That little phrase, you see, behold the Lamb of God. I want to go back to that. I want to show you something. I want you to see this, but notice that John makes sure that Jesus, and we hear this and we know this, that he says, Jesus is the Lamb of God. You see that? You know how you can also read that? You can also read that Jesus is the Lamb of the Father. Now, I bring this out because I want you to hear this, but in Israel, all through the years, in Israel, all throughout the years of the sacrificial system, understand that it was the responsibility of the father of each family to choose the lamb that the family would sacrifice. It came down to the father. He would do that. And when it was time to take a lamb to the temple, the father is the one in the family that would choose the lamb. By the way, we see that in Exodus chapter 12, verse 3. But now with that said, you look back then at the text, and again, John tells us that Jesus is the lamb of God. In other words, what that means is Jesus was chosen by his father to be the sacrifice for the sins of man. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Right? God chose his son. And let me say, he chose his son for two reasons. You might ask, why in the world did the father do this? He chose his son for two reasons. First of all, he chose Jesus. He chose Jesus in order to reveal his great love for you. That he would allow his son to die for you in your place. Doesn't that reveal love? Yeah. But then second, God chose his son as the sacrifice, the one to die for your sins simply because Jesus is the only one that qualifies to die for your sins. He's the only one that qualifies. The father had no one else to choose from. 
He knew from all eternity past that it would be his son because his son was the only one to qualify to do this. And you ask, well, why is it? How is it that it is Jesus and him alone that is the only one that qualifies to do this, to come and to bear your sin and bear my sin, to go to a cross and die for our sins? Why Jesus and nobody else? It's Jesus because of who Jesus is. Who is he? He's God and he's man. He's all God and he's all man which means he's perfect man, which means this. It means he had no sin of his own to die for. Understand this. If Jesus was just a man, that means he would have sin. That means he would have to die for his sin. And he certainly couldn't die for yours. But since he is God in the flesh, he is perfect man. Therefore, he has no sin of his own. Therefore, he has no sin of his own to die for. Therefore, what can he do? He can take your sin, have it placed on him, and die in your place. And that's exactly what he did on the cross. And again, this is why he is the only one qualified to take your sin. And that's what's being said here. Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Father, Choosing Him out of love for you. Choosing Him because He is the one that qualifies. And He is the only one that qualifies. But then one more item I want to pull out of this. Look again, verse number 29. But again, you look at the verse and you see that John again says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now there's a lot in this little verse, isn't there? But he says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Again, Jesus takes away the sin of the world. And let me just say, we're looking, just focusing in on takes away the sin of the world. Some people would look at that little statement and say that the sacrificial death of Jesus saved everybody. That his death took away the sins of all people. There will be those who will look at that and try to spin it that way. Let me say this to you. That is not what is being said there. Understand this, but this is a very exclusive statement that is being made. And what John is saying here is Jesus, here's how he's saying it, he's saying is the only hope for this world when he says this. That there's no one else but Jesus that can save. It is Jesus that takes away the sin. It is Jesus that saves. And when anyone in this world comes to Jesus by faith, then that is where hope is found. In Jesus and Him alone. This is where salvation is found. In Jesus and Jesus alone. And in no one else, but only from the Lamb of God, Jesus. That's what's being said there. A remarkable, exclusive statement. And when I say that, what I mean is, it is Jesus and only Jesus that saves. He is the only hope for this world. And that's what's being said. But again, let me just say, so much in this one verse, but right here, this is the message that we hear in this. We hear the message on day two. John got right down to business, didn't he? When he said, here he is, the Lamb of God. He's the one that saves. That's the message. That's day two. Well, so much there. But again, Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Now, there is so much more to look at in this point number two, this point that we have entitled, This is Who Jesus Is. And we're going to pick all this back up again the next time we come back together. Again, 
just so much to bring out. But until then, you have a blessed day. You live for Jesus. You share Jesus with others. And we will see each other again as we spend time in God's Word.